0: Welcome, welcome, welcome. Please make yourself at home this morning. Would you feel free to just kick back, throw off your shoes, say hi to the person next to you, just chill out, get a bucket of Coke and a huge thing of popcorn and just, well, they are buckets, you know. It's not just buckets of popcorn here. It's like buckets of Coke. There's nothing like a good bucket of Diet Coke to worship Jesus in the morning, right? Maybe some Mountain Dew, depending on how early it is. But uh, we really are thrilled that you've come to hang out with us and uh, come participate with this body. It's great to have you. So if that's you, I want to highlight a couple things for you. You've got this worship guide that you got on the way in, and this really is one of the ways just to figure us out a little bit and find out who we are and what we're doing and what's going on around here. It's your worship guide. And... um, It'll tell you a little bit about why we wear name tags. We're not just a weird business convention. We just like being friendly and knowing people's names because we're really interested in building family around here. talks about the music and the message and the free coffee, which is always a bonus, and the kids' stuff that's going on on the other side of the theater. That's fantastic. So all that is for you just to check out. And uh, again, notes on the back and then all the web addresses so that you can kind of figure out what's going on and, and uh, different ways that you can connect around the church. That's great for you to look at. But I want to highlight what's inside most of all, which is this little connection card. This connection card is the way that you can really stay You are brilliant. And so this is the way that you can stay connected with what's going on around one chapel. And if you wouldn't mind, we'd be honored for you just to fill that out and drop it in the offering as we take our tithes and offerings at the end of the service today. And I promise you, this is my guarantee to you, we won't do anything weird. We won't ask anything weird of you. We just want to be able to email you and say hi and give you a proper and official welcome uh, throughout the week. We'd love to connect with you. But today, even more so than that, we'd love to meet you in person, because getting an email is great, but saying hi to some folks who are part of the church is much, much, much better. So after the service today, Pastor Ross will be out by those tables, some other pastors and leaders, Connect Group leaders and other people, they'll be out there hanging out. And so we would like to invite you, just come stop by, just take two or three minutes and say hi to us, let us meet you face to face. And uh, tell you a little bit more about One Chapel. And if you do that, we'd like to just give you a free gift. It's just a worship CD that Pastor Ross has done over the past years with Integrity Music. It's worship music. So you can go and worship Jesus all week long in your car, in your house, in your room, in your work, in your cubicle, on your iPod. Wherever you go, you can blast Pastor Ross in your ears. Wouldn't that be great? Great. Yeah, I'll tell you, it's my favorite thing to do every day. <laughs> Actually, I do. I really like this CD. I really do. Uh, I'm going to answer for that one later. Okay, so so uh, make sure you come out and say hi to us. We'd love that. And then uh, just a few quick things. One is that tonight. Tonight we've got a thing that we do. It's a, It's a growth track. It's called Square One happens every Sunday, and there are different ones that go on every single Sunday night at 5.30 at the One Chapel offices. Now, we're right in the middle of our first one. It's been so incredible if you've been to any of them. We've done Church 101, which has talked about the story of the church, and where you sit around and be able to talk with Pastor Ross about some of the, the history and what brought us here and where we're going and the vision for the church. Last week, we did Essentials 201, which is about essential kind of core devotional things in your walk with Christ and becoming a believer and a follower of Jesus. And then down here tonight at 530 at the One Chapel office is Discovery 301. Now this is really fun because tonight is really about you and uncovering some of your gifts. So what we're going to do is we'll have like a, a gift assessment you'll be able to take and find out a little bit more about you and the way that God has created you and wired you. And you know to be able to serve And function and follow and and uh, do what jesus has called you to do in your lifetime in your generation it's really important to understand a little bit about how and why he made you the way you are so if you're tired of people saying what is wrong with you well come tonight and find out and uh We'll we'll take a little time to do those assessments. We'll talk about them. We'll dig into it. You'll be able to just uncover a little bit of who you are and how Jesus made you. So even if you haven't made it to the other ones, that's okay. You can jump right in tonight on this one, and I really would encourage you to do it. I've done it myself, and it's really fun to just dig into and find out and discover and look around and find out why people in your family operate in the same way. You might go, you know, of course, with your spouse, and you'll be able to talk about that as you go home and. Oh, I understand you a little bit more now. Thank God. So just come tonight and check that out. It'll be a great time. It's 5.30 at the One Chapel office, which is just off of Brody and Ben Garza. And it's just behind the Lowe's there. So again, that's about 5.30 to around 7, maybe a little bit after. it would be a great night for you. Uh, the next thing is we've... Um, We've got a bunch of connect group leaders that are around here, and they're starting connect groups. This is kind of our, you know, smaller groups we gather together throughout the week. They're going so great. I'm hearing such great stories, great testimonies, great reports. It's so much fun, but I can tell you this. With the amount of people that are starting to show up for one chapel, there's just not enough yet. We need more connection, more connectivity, more people, more people drive in, more people leading, more people serving one another, more people digging down deep to lift each other up, just like the Connect group leaders that have already started. I think Jesus is looking for more, and that might be you. So what we're going to do December 4th. Everybody say, December 4th. That's a Saturday, isn't it? So Saturday, December 4th, what we're going to do is have a, a, another Connect Group Leader training. It's a real informal time from 9 o'clock to 1.30, where you can come and get a little bit of training from Pastor Ross and from others, and learn how to connect in those groups, learn how to serve people that are part of this body, and learn how to make a difference in your generation with the people around you. And after all, everybody, isn't that why we're all here, ultimately? Here to worship Him and to make a difference, Right? Yes. All right. So write that down in your calendars. Keep that in mind. That's going to be a great thing December 4th. And then last but certainly not least, One Chapel students who I love so much. Yeah. Ow, ow! You guys are all starting to camp out right here. It's, it's starting to grow. right. I like this right here. It's good. Junior high and high school students, we've had some great kickoffs over the past couple weeks, had great beginnings, great worship times, more than I could have ever asked or imagined to have an initial worship time that was so thick and so heavy, and you can actually go on the blog and watch one of the videos, blog.onechapel.com, you can watch one of the videos and just capture a few moments of some of the worship times we've had, and it was Thick and incredible. Imagine a group of teenagers that don't know each other very well, and they show up together in a room, looking around, and they play a few name games to get to know one another, but then they get to it, and they worship Jesus, and he shows up thick in the room. That's what we want to have happen around here. I love that. So it's going great. We're so excited. But we want to make sure that you're aware that we're not weekly yet. We're going to be weekly in January. So the next one, the next high school gathering is going to be on December 1st. That's Wednesday. And then December 5th for junior high. Everybody got that? Just for your uh, knowledge, you can write that down and plan on those. I think that's it. Are you ready to study the word? Then let us do it. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we love you. Jesus, you're incredible. Holy Spirit, we welcome you once again to come and infiltrate and work in our hearts and in our lives and teach us from your word. Pray that you would speak through Pastor Ross and speak into our hearts to bring your change and your transformation. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.
1: It's so good. Uh, all that is so wonderful. So many great things going on. I'm so excited. Wow, there's a lot of people here. Yeah, see, I don't get to see it. I'm down here worshiping hard, and then I turn around and people showed up to church. I just want to tell you that's a miracle. <laughs> it is a miracle. And uh, some of you might be thinking, "What is it? What what is Jesus showing up thick in a room?" It doesn't mean Jesus shows up fat. <laughs> it means that Jesus. <laughs> it means that Jesus shows up with his presence. Like he's there and you can sense it and you can feel it in the air. There's something different going on. And I think that's what happens when people join in a movie theater or anywhere and they come together and they begin to worship. They make something, some place that is so secular, they start making it into a sacred spot where God dwells. And that is the coolest thing ever. That is God's design. That's his desire. That's what church is really all about. That's what living the Christian life is really all about because God does that same thing in individuals. He shows up inside of each one of us and makes his space, his place. He shows up thick. All right. So uh, let's study the scriptures. Turn in your Bible to 1 Peter chapter, chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter Two, and of course, you all know we are um, we're on this series called "I Like Church." everybody say it? I like church all right so i like I, I, I like this title because one of the things that i 'm committed to as a pastor is not to be a church that uh, kind of hounds on the church all the time, kind of tears down the body of Christ in the Bible. Uh, the body of Christ is referred to as a body, it's referred to as a building, it's referred to as a bride, it's referred to in these very uh, intimate terms, and so I, I think what we should do is, I didn't want to be a church plant where we come and we begin to say how bad church is, and so you need to start church with us, because we're going to do it right. Listen, we're going to have all kinds of problems, there's just no way around it. <laughs> I mean, if you're, there, there is no perfect church, you will visit any church and you can be assured as soon as you show up it will not be perfect anymore <laughs> so the, the so the issue though is even in the midst of the imperfection even in the midst of all that uh, the struggle to to be the bride of Christ to be the people of God that represent him well in the earth even in the midst of all the struggle with that, I want us to love Jesus and I want us to love his bride. I want us to love Jesus and I want us to love one another as his body, his body. Jesus is the head, we are the body. And so uh, we are hands and we are feet and we work together. And so I like churches is what that's about. And so um, so we've kind of been going on different things and the reason we're kind of going through this series is because as a new church, it's important for us to begin to lay foundational stones, make sure that what Jesus is building here is built on something really secure, and so we're taking time to do it, and we're going we're gonna to have years and years to study the Bible, but what we must do at the beginning is just begin to lay the proper foundation, and so discussion amongst ourselves about what church is, how it works, what it's like, what our attitude should be towards it, uh, who, who we are as the people of God, it's an important thing for us to take time. So I like church, and then uh, each week we kind of discuss something different. So last week we, we discussed the idea that church is a safe place. It's a safe place. And of course, that kind of goes directly against what so many people have experienced with, with some of the difficulties they've had with feeling unsafe in church feeling like it's not safe to risk, feeling like they're not sure how, whether or not they can open up to people. But this this should be uh, one of the safest places. It's crazy. When you think about the gospel of Jesus Christ, when you think about, if you want to call it, the religion of Jesus, the, the idea, I know we don't like to use that word because it's all about relationship, but when you look at the world religions and you look at Christianity, what you really find is that Christianity is a completely accepting religion, total acceptance, no matter who you are. It doesn't matter how bad you've been. It doesn't matter what kind of failures you've had in your life. It doesn't matter who you are, and you don't have to clean up before you come to him. Actually, the message of Jesus is, come to him just as you are, and then he'll start the reclamation process. The reclaiming of who you really should be, who you were designed to be, what God wants to do inside of you. I know that flies in the face of a lot of what we have heard about how Christians are so intolerant. Well, that's a problem, isn't it? Christians should be the most tolerant, and then we should leave the work that Jesus does in a person's life to help them to line up. We should should participate in that. We should leave it up to the Holy Spirit and His design and His direction in their life. And we should cooperate with it, and we should help, and we should help each person as they're growing and maturing and walking. We should walk right beside them. But it is not our job to change people. Ooh! It is not our job to change people. That's God's job. All we do is cooperate with it. All we do is work with it. So last week, we talked about submitting... And in and, and being involved in the process of surrendering to another person who's going to help you go through the process, who's going to walk with you as Jesus works in your life. And so we talked about spiritual authority. We talked about delegated authority specifically. And we, we highlighted four places where God designed society with delegated authority. And so, oh, it's a safe place, part two. I forgot about that. <laughs> so it's, yeah, say, I was, I'm getting sick and tired of saying part two. Yeah. anyway, it's, I, I messed it up. Sorry, I was supposed, supposed to be funny. Everybody look and say, that wasn't funny. All right, go on to the next slide there, Laura, and we'll, um, oh, are we stuck? Oh, bummer. Okay, all right, that's all right. Um, one of the great things about a church plan is it's very organic and real, and sometimes stuff just breaks. Oh, and sometimes it's super distracting like that. And then that means you have to, like, stand up on a chair so no one will be distracted. <laughs> okay, so just look at me. So we had four things that we talked about last week that are God's sort of design for delegated authority. This is really the spit zone here, isn't it? It's really <laughs> awkward. So so what was the number one? Or, or what was one of them? Family. Family, absolutely. What was another one? Government, Government absolutely. Church, Church. And, work. and work, absolutely. This is too awkward. Um, it was, it, it, we, we have all these, all these places where God's design is that we surrender to authority in order to do something very important, all right? Authority, what we, the conclusion we came to, you can, you can watch last week's message on the, oh, there they are, <laughs> fantastic. You can watch, uh, and, or, or you can listen to last week's message on our website if you want to kind of go through it. But we kind of came to the conclusion, and the final conclusion was helping people understand that authority, the purpose of delegated authority, is protection. It's protection. It's helping people. And it is only dispensed. The way it is, the way it happens best, the way it is designed to happen, the way authority figures are supposed to work with people is they are supposed to do, do what they do and serve people with their authority. That the design is that authorities are there to serve, are there to help, are there to cover, to protect, to help direct. And so when we settle that, then we can begin to surrender to the process of, of Jesus in our lives with another person. We can begin to submit to them. And it is a risk. There's no doubt about it. It is a risk. And there's a whole subject that deals with how to deal with unjust authority. We cannot cover that right now. But what we decided was we weren't going to undo the principle of authority in our lives, of surrendering to authority figures. We're not going to undo that principle just because there are exceptions or because there are abuses or because there's things that happen that are wrong, that we must maintain the principle. We must embrace it. We must allow others into our lives. We must do our best to serve other people with the authority that we've been given and then we get discipled all right but the th- cool thing is is that we have to really remember that god has called each one of us to this process and you as an as an individual you are you are important in the body of christ sometimes there's a there's a sense to which we look at authority figures, or we look at people in charge, or we look at leaders, and, and we say, well, they know this, and they know that, and they have all this together. And Listen, God wants to use every single one of you. What, what we are as a body of Christ, what we are as a church, is we're a group of leaders. We're a group of people that God wants to, to, to use, to lead, to help other people discover who He is. You're called to it doesn't matter where you're from, doesn't matter what you've been, doesn't matter how much you know. You may be a brand new believer, you may not even know Jesus, and I can tell you, he wants you to lead. You're called to it. Here's how I know. 1 Peter chapter 2 verse 9. You know what it says? It says, "But you are a chosen people." Everybody say, "I'm chosen." You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. What it means is you're an army, no doubt about it, but you're an army of generals. You're an army, a nation of priests. You are a group of people that God has called. You don't need any other media intermediary besides Jesus. Jesus is the one who is the mediator of the new covenant. He's the one who brings you to the Father. It is his blood. It is his sacrifice. It is his life that allows you to have everything that you need for life and for godliness. And as you get that, as that becomes more alive in you, as it becomes true in your life and in your thoughts and in your process and in the way you live, then what God calls you to do is begin to share that with other people. Here's, here's a cool thing. I want you to turn over a few more pages. Uh, turn over to first John chapter two. First John chapter two. I love this little this little passage. First John chapter two says, verse 20. Verse 20, if you want to go over there and you want to write something down, and you should all have pens. There's a bunch of pens right here when you come in the doorway. You can pick one up. If you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible right here on the the table when you're coming in. Everybody bring a notebook and a Bible to church. It'll help you. Here's verse 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One, and all of you know the truth. Skip down to verse 27. Notice what it says. As for you, the anointing you received from Him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to, oh my goodness, wait a minute, what does that mean? You do not need anyone to teach you, but as His anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, as it has taught you, remain in who? In Him, in Jesus Now, here's the thing. There's this tension between authority in your life and submitting to it and uh, realizing that all, listen to me, listen to me, and realizing that all the big cookies are on the bottom shelf. (laughs) All the big cookies in God's Word are on the bottom shelf. All the big ideas, you have access to them. Everything that Jesus has, you have. You as an individual, and you have it at your disposal the day you come to him. Now, now and so, and so what, what, what John is talking about right here is, is not that you never need anyone, anybody to teach you. It's clear if we look through the scriptures, boy, we need lots of people to teach us and, and invest in our lives. What he's saying is, is that the Holy Spirit can teach you. The Holy Spirit can teach you and he will teach you if you'll listen. And what happens when we, when we begin to balance this tension between being submitted to one another, being submitted to authority in our lives, and the confidence that comes through, I'm a child of God. I'm in the family. I belong. I'm the one. I have everything I need. I'm chosen. God is working in my life. And the, one of the ways he works in my life is I surrender to other people who are in authority. See, so that's, there's a tension there, and it goes back and forth, and people have been arguing over this tension for 2,000 years. We won't figure it out in a nice little 20-minute message. But I want to coach you on a couple of things, a couple of ideas. In fact, it's, it's important for you to realize that the Protestant Reformation, anybody ever heard of the Protestant Reformation? The Protestant Reformation was this moment in history, almost 500 years ago, that That happened in a moment of we don't need anyone else to lead us to Jesus. Jesus is the one we need. And we can have access to him by our faith and by his grace. And we can read the scriptures for ourselves. And we can understand and we can embrace him. That's a very simplistic view of the Protestant Reformation. (laughs) But it is fundamentally true. The Protestant, you know, Protestant means protest, protester, protestant. And we were, what was happening was we were protesting the fact that the church had become overbearing and dominating and had created some terrible, terrible ideas. They were adding things to the gospel, to the message. And what happened in the Protestant Reformation was the realization that the word of God can be spoken into each individual. Never forget that. Never forget that. Right. So what I want to talk to you about today is how do we handle the Word? We talked about spiritual authority last week. Now we talk about how to handle the Scriptures. How do we, not just what do we believe, but what we believe, why we believe it, and then how do we communicate what we believe to others in a way that, that, that sort of um, blends this tension that we see between us being who we are in Christ... And being an individual that can have access to everything that we need for life and godliness. But also knowing that God put authorities in place and we need to submit to them. And it, it will help us in our lives, alright? So here's, here's, some, here's some ideas I want you to think about. Alright, so let's, let's go to uh, our statement of faith. What we believe, alright? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sh- share this with you. Kind of put this in your, kind of as a foundation laying thing here. In essential beliefs, alright, we have unity. As a group of body of believers in essential beliefs, we have unity, and we, not just have, we don't just have unity with ourselves. We have a unity with the body of Christ worldwide. You know, sometimes when we're saying the creed, if, you, if you've been here on days when we're doing the Nicene Creed, which came from 325 A.D., and the Nicene Creed begins to be spoken here in this place, we get to that one moment where it said, we believe in one worldwide and apostolic church. We believe that there are Christians everywhere, that God's church goes everywhere throughout the earth, all over the earth, and we are part of that body of believers, that true body of believers. And so Ephesians 4, 4 through 6, you know what it says? It says, there is one body and one spirit. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, and one God and Father of us all. This is an incredible thing. Now, in non-essentials, okay, so, so in non, let me just get through this. In non-essentials beliefs, we have liberty, okay? Accept him whose faith is weak, is what Romans 4 says, without passing judgment on disputable matters. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master, he stands or falls. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. This is Romans. This is the Apostle Paul trying to help people understand this tension between what other people believe and, and how to work through the process, all right? Essentials, we have unity. We embrace other believers. We embrace Christians all over the world. But in non-essentials, we, we let people believe what they want. We, 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 it's okay. They can be free. People can believe differently about different things. All right, now you're going to ask yourself, what are the essentials then? All right, let's get to that. But in in all of our beliefs, we show charity. All right, 1 Corinthians 13.2, if I hold in my mind not only all human knowledge, but also have the very secrets of God, and if I have the faith that can move mountains, but I have no love, I amount to nothing at all. You can have correct doctrine all you want. If you don't love people, you'll miss the point. You'll miss it. So, what we talk about when we're talking about essentials, we're talking about essential doctrine that make us who we are in Christ. We're ta- when we say non-essentials, we're talking about interpretations of the Scripture. We're talking about all kinds of things throughout the Scripture that people believe are different things. And then we talk in our beliefs. We show charity to all. We love people first. All right. So let me t- let me let me kind of describe to you what I think about this. All right. Because I think the essentials is the big thing, okay so what are the essentials that we actually believe all right so i'm gonna i'm gonna draw a little uh thing for you and it's it's a little uh graph here absolutes absolutes the absolutes of scriptures the essentials of scripture these are really uh there's not very many of them they're very few they are uh they're just uh we're gonna go over them here in just a second but they are. They are about Jesus being the Son of God, about the Bible being God's words to humanity. Um, They are about the the fact that we must have a spiritual rebirth. There must be a born-again experience for Christians to be who they are supposed to be in Christ. And as we look at those essentials, those are the things we can agree on worldwide. And those are a necessity for defining who we are as a church. They're a necessity. It's what defines us from other religions of the world or other people and what they think. One of our greatest problems right now in Austin and in America is the idea of syncretism. Syncretism It means a synchronizing. Syncretism is a problem that the Apostle Paul was trying to address when he wrote the book of Ephesians, when he wrote the book of Colossians. He was trying to deal with this idea that all their pagan beliefs were synchronizing with their Christian beliefs. And he was trying to help them separate, to understand who they really are, who God is, and what Jesus has done for them. And it's very important, this, this syncretism that we find going on all over, it's coming through our televisions, it's coming through just people, just the New Age uh, I- ideology, and, and most of the time, it comes from Oprah. <laughs> she, she, just, she just believes in it all. And, uh, and, and she just promotes whatever, whatever it is. But there are absolutes that are so important to us. But then you have these things that go around it called interpretations, all right? Interpretations. These would be ideas from Scripture that we have differing views on that aren't really essential to becoming a Christian. They're not really essential to understanding the uh, nature of God's work in your life, all right? And so, and like, I I remember one of my (laughs) my favorite memories of my own family and my, my parents, I were pastors all my life. I grew up in, in church. Uh, I was born on Saturday and in church on Sunday. And, uh, and so I grew up right on the front row, and uh, right in the spit zone. And uh, when, I, when, I was, when I was growing up, I remember kind of wrestling with some of these things. And my, my parents believed certain things, and they had certain interpretations of the Scripture. And we were from a group that was pretty legalistic, I think. And it was uh, it was a Pentecostal background, and so um, i didn 't see my first movie till I was nineteen years old. I know some of you were like, "What <laughs> How could you not see a movie? What, were you some kind of cult <laughs> no i wasn 't in a cult. The group just believed that you shouldn 't hang around in those places all right They had an interpretation and uh, and the interpretation um, you know there was there was some room to evaluate it so um so I remember my brother, my little brother uh brad i have three I have two brothers one's Brent, who you heard earlier um mocking me and then um and then and then I have another brother, and he he was he was hanging out with the parents one day, and he really wanted to play cards had a deck of cards, and he just discovered cards and I remember my dad saying to him. Uh, he was—he must have been like eight years, seven or eight, seven years old, something like that. And he said, "It said to my dad, he's like, I want to play cards. I don't know how to play cards. And my dad said, we don't believe in playing cards, okay? And I was like, I'll never forget my brother. Well, dad, how can you not believe in it when it's right here? How can you not believe in it when it's right here? This is how lots of people do interpretations in the scripture, and they like, oh, it's so clear in scripture. How can you not believe that, right? Where, where we get into trouble with this is eschatology, and then eschatology. Oh, I just said a big word. Big word alert. Eschatology is the idea that is the idea of what happens at the end times. All right, what happens when Jesus returns? What, what's going to happen in the culmination of history? That's what eschatology is, and that's what the Bible talks about from time to time. And that deals a lot with deductions, actually, which would be the next thing. Every time you lift your, if you read the Bible, you're reading some absolutes. Once you lift your head and say, now what this means is, oh, that's an interpretation. And then once you, when you get to deductions, what that is, is that is this scripture says this, and this scripture says this, so Ezekiel says this, Revelation says this, thus we can conclude that Jesus Christ is coming back on December 25th, 2011, just before the world explodes in 2012. How can you not believe it? It's right here. Deductions are less important than interpretations. Interpretations interpretations do have impact. Interpretations do have an impact on how we live, what we think of God, how we function with one another. They're important, but they're not as important as absolutes. Absolutes are what bind us together in one faith and one baptism. Are you tracking with me? So then Once we get past deductions, we get to all kinds of things, preferences, subjective opinions, feelings, cultural norms, personal preferences. This is all really good stuff. This is things like, um, well, I don't, I I really love the music at one chapel. It's so loud. I've been a worship leader all my life, uh, all my life. That was probably not true. All my ministry life. Although I did start singing on stage in church when I was five years old. So practically all my life. And so there there is this thing that I know goes on in churches where they really like a certain way of doing worship. And that certain way becomes more and more important as people get older and older, it seems. When When in reality, it's not true. The way you do worship the 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 type of music, the 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 liturgy, if you will. Oh, another big word, liturgy. Everybody say it. Liturgy. liturgy. Listen, everybody has a liturgy. Okay, charismatics Christians, Pentecostals have liturgies now. It's called two fasts, <laughs> two fast songs, one mid-tempo, two slowies. <laughs> a prophecy, <laughs> the offering, the sermon, the altar call. And the closing prayer. That's our liturgy. I've decided at one chapel to mess things up a little bit. <laughs> but, uh, but, but make no mistake, liturgy is just how the, the culture with which you worship, all right? Uh, we can embrace everything that Presbyterians and the way they worship, everything that they do in worship. I can go to a Presbyterian church and I can have an experience with Jesus. I'm telling you. Those things, the subjective opinions, the preferences, personal norms. Now, what happens to lots of people is they try to argue their case for what they want and what they believe in the scriptures like it's an absolute. And so it becomes really important for them, to, to, for everybody to believe things like, how many angels can dance on the head of a pin? Don't you know this is this is how angels function and we need to know all about angels because angels and the way they function is really key to our life because the Bible says that we are servants who have ministering angels surrounding us. Once you argue once you argue opinions, subjective preferences, deductions or interpretations like they are absolutes, you undo you undo the relational fabric that is supposed to be the body of Christ. You can't argue for how many angels dance on the head of a pin and say, if that's not true, then Jesus isn't Lord. Well, how stupid is that? And how how come we can't figure out that you don't know how many angels actually dance on the head of a pin? Here's what I believe about eschatology. Remember that? Eschatology, here's what I believe, is the first time Jesus came, right? The first time Jesus came, all the religious guys missed it. All the experts in the law missed it. It might be that same way again when he comes the second time. So we need to be careful about what we think we know. And we need to focus on the absolutes. Now, here's the benefit of focusing on the absolutes. What happens when we focus on the absolutes is, and, and, and we, listen, we can teach our interpretations right here. In this movie theater, we can talk about what I believe about the Holy Spirit and how he works in the life of a believer today. That's, an, that's a really important interpretation for me because I think it's key to how our culture gets created as a church, who we are in Christ and how we function in the world. That's very important to me. But I can teach that right here. But every everywhere else, I need to focus on absolutes. Because when I focus on absolutes, what you can imagine, if every church in the city of Austin would teach and talk and, and describe the absolutes outside of our church, in our workplaces, at school, in the marketplace, this is what we're highlighting, is Jesus Christ is the answer. He is the solution to man's sin problem. He is the one gonna rescue everybody from death and hell. He is the one. If we can say that, over and over again and not fight about all these little piddly things, all these little crazy things that we've got going on, you know, kind of behind the walls of our church about what we believe and how we believe it and how we like to do worship. If we could stop exporting that stuff and we could just talk about how Jesus is Lord and we could talk about a spiritual rebirth that people need in their lives, we'd all be saying the same thing. And if we could all say the same thing, how much more effective could we be I told you last week that I was at a meeting with pastors and we were strategizing for a, a huge push of this very thing in 2011. It's coming. There is amazing things going on in the city of Austin. Pastors are working together, maybe like never before. It's, that's, what they all, that's what they're all saying. i'm new i i I just showed up Uh, but and i respect everything that's been done up to this point we're we're reaping some of the seeds that have been sown over years and years of prayer we are the answer to some people's prayers because of what god is doing at one chapel but we're going to link arms with other churches all over this city and some of them won't worship the way we do and some of them won't believe exactly the same interpretations as interpretations as us and that's okay because the way we teach people about what we believe is very important. Ephesians 4.15. Ephesians 4.15, you know what it says? It says, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow into him who is the head, Christ Jesus. Speaking the truth in love, that's what we do. We speak truth and we speak it in love. We will in all things grow into Everybody say grow. Grow. Ephesians 4.15, we will all things grow into him who is the head, that is Christ Jesus. Now, anyone who teaches the truth with the kind of bombastic, overbearing, absolute-driven ideology that this everything's an absolute and I've got to pound it into you and has no love. This is what you get with a lot of churches. You get all truth, not a lot of love. Other churches, it's all love. Oh man, we just love each other. It's so awesome. Man, this love is pouring out all over the place. And it's like, where's the truth, people? Truth, love, they go together. They cannot be separated, they must be put together. The way you communicate the truth either enhances it and brings life, or it discourages people and becomes a harsh burden on their backs. Are you with me? Are you with me? We are not into putting hard, heavy burdens on people's backs. So the way that we communicate truth is so, so, so important. I love, I think it's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi. He said, preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. Preach the gospel always. If necessary, use words. Act in such a way that people will be able to listen to what you say. That is what we believe. Let's talk about the absolutes then. Let's talk about the essentials, all right? Four essentials, all right? Let's talk about them real quickly. The Bible is the word of God. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true, and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what is right. That's 2 Timothy 3, 16 in the New Living Translation. Oh, sorry. (laughs) That's all right. Keep going. Um, The Bible is God's words. Here's what I believe about the Bible. The Bible was breathed, God breathed, the writers wrote under inspiration of the Holy Spirit that that breathed on them. And what happens to us when we read the Bible, when we take the Bible and we open it up and we read it, is God breathes a second time. He breathes again. And as he breathes, revelation happens. Our eyes are opened and you're reading this passage and all of a sudden you're like i 've never seen that before i 've read it a hundred times and here it is this is what the Bible is for is to help us to see what 's wrong to help us illuminate our hearts and our minds it 's inspired by God it has history it has poetry it has letters it has prophetic books it has all kinds of stuff and we 'll spend lots of time talking about the scriptures because it is our roadmap it 's our it 's our historical book it 's the it 's the record of God meeting with humanity. It's very important to us. The Bible is God's words to us. Secondly, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Now, why is this important? Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Jesus said in John 14, 6, He said, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. This is a hard question. Thing for people to get, to get through, especially in our day and culture. This is that syncretism that I was talking about. If Jesus is just a good man, then his death really meant nothing. If he is the son of God, if he was fully God and fully man, and he came to earth as an atoning sacrifice, big words, we'll spend lots of time unpacking those as we go through the process here of being church, being Jesus to one another. It's It is the idea that God sent his son to be the sacrifice for our sins that needed to be paid, our failures, our foolishness. And as he did, he is the way with which we are reattached. We are are, um, reengaged in a relationship with God. Jesus is the way that it happens. Jesus Christ is the second person of the Trinity. He lived a sinless life on earth. He voluntarily paid for our sin by dying on the cross as our substitute. We all deserve death, but He died in our place. And this salvation is for all who receive receive grace by trusting in Him and Him alone. Number three, the idea when you trust in Jesus and the work that He does, what the Bible teaches and what Jesus teaches specifically in John 3 is, you must be born again that there is a birth there is a first birth I had 5 births in my family I have 5 kids I was there at every one of them it was amazing I cried at every one of them it was an incredible thing there was a miracle in it it's a, it's amazing what happens I mean through the headlock you know I was in the headlock and I was helping Amy push and <laughs> and that baby comes out and it's Slimed with stuff, and it's amazing, and it's but but every time that moment when life comes, it's an incredible thing. My last baby, number five, I got to I got to catch it. It sounds like it was thrown out, didn't it? Um, I got to I got to, I got to receive it. Whereas before, I was you know fifth one. The doctor said, "Hey, do you want to come out and help deliver?" And so I came out and helped deliver, and it was so amazing. I'd never it's not disgusting, it's <laughs> awesome. And I and I and I got that little baby and I and I received it and I cried my eyes out. That same kind of miracle is supposed to happen spiritually in your life. There is a birthing experience. You are birthed into a new life, you are birthed into something incredible. You're birthed into a new family. There's something that God does to rearrange your heart and mind, and he reveals himself to you, and then you're birthed into this wonderful, beautiful world of the body of believers. It's so important. Jesus said, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. And then lastly, and this is where we'll close, is I, I I want to add this as our fourth essential. I a lot of for years I kind of taught the first three, but this is this is the fourth one that I think is important to say. And it's believers can be spirit filled and they can be spirit led. Acts one eight says, "But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends." of the earth. Ephesians 5.18 says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Here's what I think. I think it's okay to argue about how that filling happens. That's okay with me. People have a lot of differing opinions on that. But I think we must, you know, if you've read anything on our website, you've heard us speak at all about what one chapel is, you've heard the idea of being presence-based. Presence-based means that we believe that the Holy Spirit actually lives in us and among us, that God lives within us by His Spirit, that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. The Father is in heaven on His throne, and Jesus is there and making intercession for for you and for me. And he sent us the gift of the Holy Spirit. And his spirit is what leads us and guides us into all truth. His spirit is what challenges us to live a godly life according to the scripture. He's the empowerer, he's the counselor, he's the comforter, he's the one who comes and helps us. Are you glad? Are you thankful for that? You're like, who, you're, some of you are like, who is this spirit guy? I got, I got, to, get, I got to get some of that because I don't know who, who I, 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 all I know is God and he's a nice guy, but man, I'm having a hard time in my life. Well, you may indeed need, you may need indeed need, oh, that's funny. You may need to be immersed in the influence of the Holy Spirit. I happen to believe In the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which simply means to be immersed. Baptism means to be immersed, to be totally, completely under the control of the Holy Spirit. And life is very hard until you give in to Him. The Spirit of God is how God works His way on the earth. The Spirit of God is how He speaks on the earth. The Spirit of God, He speaks, and then we check it according to what He has already said which is where that delegated authority comes in again? Because you've got to have people around you to tell you when you're like, oh, that's whacked. No. Yeah, I know you said that's the Holy Spirit, but that was bad pizza. <laughs> Sorry. No, that's not. And here's why. Let me show you in the Scripture why that's a little off. So then we get, with, with these two, armed with these two ideas of delegated authority and with absolutes, interpretations, deductions, and preferences, then you understand how to believe, how to speak about these things, how to share it with other people. I believe there's so many things in the scriptures that are not have-tos, they're get-tos. Now, if there's anything you remember from this message, I want you to remember that. Not a have-to, it's a get-to. Very few things are worth fighting over. I think we should have some good, rigorous discussion about the way the Holy Spirit works, about the end times, about any number of things that are interpretations or deductions, but we should not fight with one another over these things. We should agree in the one worldwide apostolic church that Jesus is the head of and we are part of. And when we do that, this city... We'll hear it better. We will be able to share truth with people individually in a way that they can receive, they can accept, because they won't hear judgmentalism. You understand that the 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 city of Austin and others around the country they see Christians as judgmental and intolerant, and the way that you share the truth helps them decide if that's true or not. Come on, let's be the church. Let's be the people filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's be the people that are willing to say it with, a, with, with uh, no doubt, with salt. We are the salt of the earth, but la- that light is shining, and it's not too much salt. You know, it's possible to have too much salt. <laughs> you ever had too much salt on your food? Hey, yeah, uh, it's bad. Seasoned with salt. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. Let us come alive to this idea that we are the carriers. Of God's presence. And we are in charge of telling people the truth, but only when they can receive it and be convinced that we're full of love for them. It's still true. Many, many years ago, it was written, and I say it often people don't know, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Come on, let's share the truth with people and love them. Let's pray. Father, thank you, for, thank you for speaking to us today and for challenging us in how we are to live. Give us understanding about these things. Give us wisdom in, in how to share with others. Give us, uh, give us grace to be able to, to share our lives with people who maybe don't believe exactly like we do. People who believe quite differently than we do many times. Help us to have the courage To share the love of Christ so that we can share the truth. Help us not to fight. Help your kids not to fight over things that really don't matter. Help us to embrace one another. Help us to share with each other. Help us to be the kind of people and the kind of church where relationships are so connected, people are offering access to their lives in such a way that this the truth is easily shared among us. Father, we want to be this kind of church. We want to be these kind of people. And so now with every, every head Looking around at this moment, I think Jesus may be speaking to some of you. And you may be here in this room today and you've heard me speak about these things and you sense that God is somehow calling you. Maybe you've been away from Him. Maybe you have turned away from Him and kind of turned to your own plan and your own ideas. Or maybe you've been so discouraged by some Christians that you knew that you've rejected God altogether. If you want to give your life to Christ today, if you want to follow the person that we talked about today, if you want to give your life to God in a new and fresh way today, maybe for the first time today, Or maybe for the first time in a long time. I want to give you an opportunity to do that. We're in church. (laughs) This is the best place to give your life to Christ. Because you're surrounded by so many people who love you. So all over the room, if you hear Jesus calling you and you say, I don't don't even know exactly what it means, but I want to commit my life to him. Just shoot your hand up in the air right now. Don't be... Don't be ashamed. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. Yep, I see you right there. That's good. Anyone else? Anyone else? No need to argue. No need to push God away. Just surrender to Him. Let's all pray this prayer together. Words don't, mean much unless they're mixed with faith and so let's uh i want you to open your mouth i want you to pray these prayers with me together it's not the words that make the difference it's what's going on in your heart so everybody let's just pray this prayer of commitment to to the lord everybody speaking out loud repeat after me say heavenly father thank you for jesus thank you for rebirth thank you for making me new forgive me for my sins Forgive me for my failures. I want to follow you. I want to surrender to you. I give you my life today. Forgive me for my sins. Make me into a new person. And help me to follow you all the days of my life. Now let me just pray over you. Father, thank you for your, thank you for all that you're doing here in each one of us giving us strength, giving us grace, giving us understanding and revelation, speaking to us, Lord God, we pray that we would leave this place and take the light with us, that we would be aware of the presence of Jesus through the Holy Spirit, that we would embrace these ideas and that we would look intentionally to share them with people who are in our circle, in our sphere, that we could love them with the love that Jesus has for us. Help us to do this. Help us to live this way so that we can honor you in everything we do and say, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you committed your life to Christ or you recommitted your life to Christ, you sort of came to a moment where Jesus did something really awesome in your life today, uh, we have these little connection cards that uh, you, Brent talked about earlier. I would love it if you just mark that little box there at the bottom of that page. That would be so fantastic. I would love to help you take your next steps. And uh, I'll just send you a little email and help you along the path. If you wanna talk to a pastor, you wanna give us feedback, please drop that in the offering as it goes by, all right? Or you can put it in the, in the uh, there's a basket out on the table as you leave, all right? All right, let's stand up and let's pray as we receive our tithes and offerings. We believe that uh, we believe that offering is about worship, that we give our income and we give money to the church not because it's a duty, not because it's something that we're forced to do, but something that we do joyfully. And we do it joyfully because we belong to a family and we're contributing to the, what, what's, what God is doing in that family across the world, all right? So if you're new today, you certainly don't have to give in this offering. I, we, we don't expect you to give, but we've made a commitment to give and to honor God with our giving, all right? So let's pray and then let's worship together as we receive the offering. Father, we thank you for what you're doing and we ask you to use what we're giving. Lord, we give it to you because we believe it all belongs to you. We just give you a little piece of it, and we pray that you'd build your kingdom. We pray that you'd build your purpose and plans into our lives and into others in this city, in this nation, and around the world. Father, we thank you for this, and we love you, and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come on, let's worship the Lord as we give.
2: Thank you.